week if you weren't here, and that's true for most of you. We uh, were in the book of Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet who uh, had this conversation recorded between he and the Lord God. Two things we learned uh, last week, uh, what we should do when we've prayed and sought the Lord, but we're in a situation that's hard and painful and confusing, and then the Lord finally answers our prayer, and then suddenly now I realize I don't like the answer. I was seeking you, Lord. I was confused. I I was crying out to you, but now I'm, I'm a little upset. I don't like that answer. Matter of fact, I think that's an awful answer, God. Uh, Habakkuk had prayed and prayed and prayed, verses 1 to 4. Habakkuk chapter 1, there was violence, strife, wickedness going on in Judah. And then the Lord says, okay, I'll give you an answer, Habakkuk. Verses 5 to 11, I'm going to allow the Babylonians to be my tool of judgment on Judah, my chosen people. And and Habakkuk says, are you kidding, Lord? Really? You're going to allow those proud, pompous, violent, miserable people to be used by you to, to bring judgment on your chosen people? Really, Lord? First thing we learned last week, slide down to verse 12, is that uh, when you get an answer you don't like, when you're crying out and you don't like what the Lord is showing you is going to be his answer, is remind yourself who it is that you're talking to. Verse 12, he says, You're my Lord, you're the personal God of your chosen people, you're everlasting, you always have been and always will be, you're my Holy One, you're set apart above and beyond us, you are my rock. You are my hiding place, the safe place to go and hide in. You're able to punish. Why? Because you're on the throne. You are indeed the king of the universe. All the power is in your hand. He reminds himself who he's talking to and who he's responding to. So, So we learned last week when your life hits a wall, and the truth is we do hit walls, Everybody here, it's just a matter of time. Uh, We're at a dead end, and I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like my situation. I don't like the answers that I believe the Lord is giving to me. We said last week, the most important preacher in your life is who? Who's the most important preacher in your life? It's you. (laughs) You better be daily preaching to yourself. You better be reminding yourself daily who this Jesus is that you follow. You say you believe in Jesus. you got to be reminding yourself, well, who is this Jesus? What has he done? What What is the truth about who this Jesus is that I say that I follow? And we need to say things like, Jesus, you know what? You love me sacrificially, unconditionally, eternally, and nothing could ever get in the way of your love for me. And you prove that for all of eternity on the cross. Uh, Jesus, I know that the very same power that resurrected you from the dead, Romans 8, 11, is living right now. Where is it living? 
That's a good thing to remind ourselves. Don't you agree? Preach that to yourself every day. Yea, though I walk through a deep, dark valley today, Psalm 23, Lord, you're with me. You, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. Jesus, you're on the throne of the universe right now. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. You've never failed me once. Do you think he's going to start failing you right now? He's never failed any of us even once. You're not going to fail us right now either. Got to remind myself. I got to preach that. And one day soon, Jesus, I'm going to be with you face to face and I know this is just temporary, passing through stuff, new heaven, new earth, hand-built mansion, Revelation 21, verse 4. I want to write that down. Really good verse to look forward to. No more sin, no more Satan, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain, no more crying. That's all gone. New good stuff. So if you're struggling, confused, upset with the Lord, first thing to do, Remind yourself who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus that you are following? Preach to yourself every day. Remind yourself of the facts that you know to be true. Second thing we learned from Habakkuk last week, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, was that uh, when he was confused and upset, he climbs up to a wooden structure, a watchtower, if you will, and he's going to stand up there and just wait and watch and listen for the Lord to answer. So if you're here today and you're facing a crisis of belief, if you're confused why the Lord isn't working like you thought he would, Lord, why aren't you, why aren't you doing things like I planned or expected? Isaiah 40, verse 31, we saw, Wait on the Lord, stop talking, stop complaining, Stop your whining and just listen. Wait on the Lord, and in due time, Isaiah 40, 31, you'll be back soaring like an eagle. Psalm 33, verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. While you're waiting, listen close, you can wait in one of two ways. Okay, Lord, <laughs> you think you know what you're doing, and I think you've got an awful plan going. And I don't like it, and I'm waiting. I, I'm, I'm not happy about it. And then the enemy says, oh, opportune time. Fiery darts are coming your way. And that's exactly what happened. And now you're a sitting duck while you wait. Or you can follow Psalm 33, verse 20, and say, Lord, I'm hoping in you. I don't understand. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to stop and listen for a while. But in the meantime, Ephesians 4.16, Jesus, you're my Thoron, you are my shield, and while I wait, got this shield, it's the big Roman shield, you're my hiding place. I'm going to stay real close to you, because those fiery darts, they hurt every time. I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to abide with you, I'm going to stay real close to you. And that's not a sitting duck, that's soaring like an eagle. You got a choice. Two ways to wait. You can either be a sitting duck or you can soar like an eagle. So we left Habakkuk last week and uh, he was waiting and watching at the watchtower. And today we're going to focus on just one piece or one part of the Lord's answer to Habakkuk. Uh, don't forget Habakkuk's world is falling apart. Strife, conflict, violence, 
injustice in his land. And now the Lord has revealed, okay, here's my plan, Habakkuk. I'm going to use King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army, uh, and they are going to be my tool of judgment. (laughs) And he says, awful plan, God. Bad plan. Uh, They are hated. They are feared. They are evil. Lord, don't do that. So today we're going to learn, you know, when the world is falling apart and, and now you don't understand anything, what do we need to know and hold on tight to and never let go when we're in situations like that. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read just four verses today. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and then we're just going to focus on one verse as, uh, as we move on today. Would you read with me? I'll stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Lord, I I suspect that there's more than one person today whose situation feels like it's falling apart. Lord, thank you for uh, preserving for us exactly how Habakkuk felt when his world was falling apart. We live oftentimes in confusing and frustrating situations. And the truth is, Lord, quite often what's going on around us, we don't like. Makes us angry. So would you show us some answers here today? Show us specifically what to do when we feel like our world is falling apart around us. Lord, you've literally used Habakkuk 2.4 to change the world. And I'm asking right now that you might use that same verse to change our worlds. Help us to see what that verse means to us today. Speak and encourage and challenge. We're listening, Lord. We're ready to respond. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, be seated. Going to camp on verse 4. We'll look at the rest of chapter 2 next Sunday. Verse 4, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Uh, Basically, uh, the Lord says, Habakkuk, you know what? You're right. The Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, they are a proud people. They are haughty. They are arrogant. They are cocky. They are, he uses the word, puffed up. They are full of themselves and full of self-confidence. And then he says, look at verse 4, they are not an upright people. They are wicked. They are evil. They are idolatrous. They are an awful people. You are right. 
Habakkuk. You, you are examining the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar, and you are right on the money. But know this, but the just will live by faith. <laughs> the just man is going to live by his faith. Here's the one fact, Habakkuk, that you need to hold on tight to. Here's money in the bank. Here's something you can hold on to, a biblical truth that you better grab a hold of and not let go. Literally, the righteous ones are declared not guilty, innocent of all charges. The righteous will live by faith. What is a righteous person? Are you ready? It's someone who God Almighty has looked at and said, not guilty, innocent of all charges. Only God can declare somebody righteous. Righteous followers of the Lord, look at verse 4, will live by faith. They trust, they believe, they hold on tight, even in awful times, to that truth. Don't forget, Habakkuk, Faithful followers of Jehovah God keep on leaning, keep on trusting, keep on depending and relying on the faithfulness of our awesome God. That's what he's saying. Keep on depending. And, and we would say, well, that's a nice thought. Good, good. Let's move on. Let's uh, look at the next verse and get more answers. Except, give me your eyes, except when the Apostle Paul was writing his letter to the church at Rome, we call that the book of Romans, okay? The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to quote Habakkuk 2.4. Tracking with me? So when, when Paul was writing his letter to the church at Rome, he, he is inspired by the Spirit to quote Habakkuk 2. And verse 4, and oh, by the way, uh, what we're going to look at, turn to Romans with me, 1 and verse 17, is considered the theme verse of what many say, and I would probably agree, the most important theological doctrinal book in the New Testament, okay? So he's going to quote from Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, and I want to show you how he quotes it and what it means, did you notice we already looked at verse 16 when we were doing communion? Okay, now we're doing the next verse, verse 17. Uh, Romans 1, verse 17. This is the theme verse of the entire book of Romans. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Everybody down through history, that's what it's all about by faith. Just as it is written. Where is it written? Just as it is written in Habakkuk 2 and verse 4. What does it say? The just will live by faith. Just as it is written. Where did you get that, Paul? Back in Habakkuk 2 and verse 4. The just will live by faith. The gospel of Jesus is so powerful because it takes filthy sinners, like every one of us, like everyone ever born, who falls short of God's glory and gives us right standing in God the Father's eyes. Got it? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, 
because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can be declared righteous, not guilty, innocent of all charges. That's only because of the finished work of Christ that we can be declared righteous people. By accepting the cure, the only remedy, which is the gospel, we can stand clean and washed and purified before our righteous judge, God Almighty, okay? So we are leaning and depending and trusting and believing and putting our faith in what Jesus did for us. That's where salvation comes. That's where we get declared righteous. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did alone brings salvation. So what's the other option? If we don't, if we don't put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, what are the other choices? You ready? <laughs> Work really hard. Be really, really nice. Be good. Do lots of religious stuff. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be just good enough to squeak your way into heaven. That's the other option. And can I just say, most Christians, even in most Protestant churches, when you ask them, how do you get to heaven, that's their answer. You just got to be good. You got to be nice. You got to be moral. You just got to earn your salvation. <laughs> can I just say, righteousness is what we need, but we do not have. The righteousness of God, give me your eyes, balcony, cannot be earned, it cannot be deserved, it cannot be worked out by our own human effort. That's called religion, attempting to earn favor with God. And every time God says, not enough, you fall short, you do not have enough to earn your way into heaven or my salvation. Righteousness, give me your eyes, is only available as a free gift. That's the only place you can get righteousness. Only by those who believe the gospel facts and accept the only cure that's ever been offered for that fatal disease called sin. And how many of us have been bitten by that snake called sin? Can I see your hands? And look around. Anybody doesn't have their hand up, you can know in your head. They ain't telling the truth. Because <laughs> all of us have been bitten by that snake called sin. Uh, the righteous will live by faith. Look at what he says. Uh, it's, this is pretty cool uh, because Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, I just want you to know, this is, this is it in a nutshell, and he quotes Habakkuk 2 and verse 4. The righteous, those who are going to get declared not guilty, innocent of all charges, they are going to live by faith. Now track with me, and it's that little phrase, the righteous will live by faith, that clicked in Martin Luther's mind. Not Martin Luther King, got to go back 500 years. Martin Luther, uh, the man who rocked the world, uh, began the Protestant Reformation. This is the phrase that the Lord used to, to click in his mind. The just, the righteous, 
will live by faith. Now, here's why that's so important. Up to that point, uh, Martin Luther was a monk, and he was attempting to earn his righteousness. He was doing everything he knew to do to earn and work salvation. Got it? And almost everybody felt the same way. You got to earn it. You got to work harder. You got to be nicer. You got to do more good stuff. And suddenly, he's looking at verse 17, uh, the righteous will live by faith, and suddenly it clicked. (laughs) He said, you know what? I, I get it. It's by faith alone, not by obedience to a church system. It's by obedience uh, to a church system is what he thought it was all about up to that point. He says, no, I I get it now. Look at verse 17. The righteous are going to live by faith. It's by faith alone, in Christ alone, not by baptism, not by giving money, not by the sacraments, not by good works, not by good intentions. Faith alone, plus nothing, minus nothing, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17 again, would you? I want you to see it. This is huge. The just, the righteous, will live by faith. And the year was 1517. That's 501 years ago. And and that revelation where Scripture just spoke so hard to his life began the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther realized, you know what? I'm kind of here at a fork in the road. I've spent my entire life attempting to earn and work and do religious stuff to merit, to deserve a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And Martin Luther said, you know what? I I realized that was in vain. (laughs) The light bulb came on. The Holy Spirit shined through his book. And suddenly now, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, became very clear. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Can't earn it. It's the gift of God. Not by works. Why? Because if you could do it, if you could earn it, if you could be nice and religious, then you'd boast. Well, I deserve this salvation. I earned it. I'm a really nice guy. No, that's religion. That's pride, has nothing to do with righteousness or salvation. So, you're here today, your world's falling apart, you're confused, you're upset. Lord, why aren't you answering like I thought you would answer? Why aren't you working this situation out like I planned? Two options. Ready? Earn your way out of your situation. Work. Get upset. Get angry, grit your teeth, worry, stew, fret, and then in an attempt of working it out, a whirlwind of activity, take charge of your situation through effort and willpower. And frankly, that's how a lot of us behave, don't we? We hit a wall, we're in a bad situation. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work my way out of it. Or... Option B, look at it, hold on tight and never let go of Habakkuk 2 in verse 4. Hold on tight and never let go of Romans 1 in verse 19. The just, 
shall live by faith. Meaning this, track with me, okay? Uh, Lord, the way I came to you, the way I got your righteousness, declared innocent, not guilty, and now you suddenly now have brought salvation to me. I didn't have to work or earn or merit your salvation. You ready? You don't have to work or earn or merit the Lord's presence and power when you're in a really bad situation either. See, some of us, we come to faith in Christ by faith, and I trust, and I know I can't earn it, but now i got to work and earn and merit and live out. Uh, and I'm just telling you, the way we live the Christian life is the same way we came to faith in Christ, by leaning and trusting and enjoying the grace and the presence and the power of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. We come to Jesus, give me your eyes, by faith alone. We continue to live life after salvation by faith. You understand? I trust, I lean, I depend. And that's how we're to live. And that was the Lord's message to Habakkuk. Keep living the way you came to me. And that's his message to the church at Rome. And that's his message to the church at Walloon. The just, the righteous, will live by faith. Say it with me. The just will live by faith. Turn to somebody and tell them, the just will live by faith. That's the way you come to Christ. That's the way we continue to live out our faith in Christ, even when things get bad. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for your book, and thank you, Lord, for rocking Habakkuk's world, and Lord, thank you for getting that message to the Apostle Paul, and thank you, Lord, for even using that verse to mess with Martin Luther's life and mess with our lives. So here's my closing question. What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? What are you putting your faith in so that someday when you stand before God, he's going to say, why should I let you in? And here's what the majority of people, even in Protestant churches, say, I'm working real hard. I, 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 I'm a really nice person, and I'm hoping that my good efforts will be good enough for you to let me in. Can I just say that's called the do system? And that will do nothing but wear you out. And the result will be you're going to fall way short. The Lord's going to say, I'm sorry. Wrong answer. That's not how you get my righteousness. That's not how you receive salvation. It's not on the do system. I'm all about the done system. Jesus has completed the work on the cross for you. Did you know that? Jesus has bought eternal life for you with his finished work on the cross. So if you're here today and you're hoping that you're just going to be good enough and nice enough and moral enough that you'll get his salvation through doing, 
I want to warn you, well ahead of the day of judgment, it's going to be a bad answer. Sorry, I never knew you. No one enters eternal life. Nobody merits righteousness through their own effort. It's only through faith alone in the finished work of Jesus and his gospel alone. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It's the gift of God so that nobody can boast. Anybody say right now, you know what? I think I've been on the do system, Pastor Jeff. been trying to be nice and good and moral. That's called religion. <laughs> Man's attempt to please and do enough good stuff to earn his way to heaven. It's an awful way to live. And it leads nothing to frustration. And if you stay on that system, it'll lead to judgment and eternal separation. I never knew you. There's a way better system. It's called the done system. Jesus did it for you. I think I need to get on that done system. Anybody say, pray for me, Pastor Jeff. I, I need to get off the do, trying to be nice and good and moral, and, and I'm going to get on the done even right now. Anybody? Lift up your hand. just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yeah. I see some hands. Yeah. Are there others? Yeah. Off. Off the do, I'm going to get on the done. Okay? And the done system is all about the gospel facts. Remember we talked about that earlier? What are those facts? Fact number one. Jesus took your place on the cross, shed his blood for your sin problem. Jesus, I believe that by faith. Fact number two. Jesus took your place in the tomb. He was dead. He did that for you, Jesus. I believe you did that for me. Fact number three. Jesus, early on Sunday morning, didn't stay dead. He literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. Jesus, I believe you did that for me. Put my faith in that. Fact number four. Jesus was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. Jesus, I believe those witnesses. The evidence is overwhelming. I believe you're alive today, and right now I receive you as my Savior and King and Lord. They're facts, historical, verifiable facts that need to be believed and received. That's how you get on the done system. Jesus, thank you for the done system. Thank you for those who just responded. I pray those facts will take root. I pray that the gospel will be dynamic and powerfully change from the inside out, those who just responded to you. And if you made that decision before you leave here today, would you tell somebody? I just want you to know, I got on the done system. I was on the do, but now I'm on the done. As the ushers come forward right now, we take up a benevolent offering. Lord, I know there are some in the church family, some in our community who uh, are in great need. Might these gifts we give bring hope and help and encouragement to those in need. 
it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please remain seated until Andy stands you? Because it's hard to pass plates with people standing. So just remain seated. Andy will stand you up.